Welcome back to the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. I am your host, Lyle Swithenbank. This is a sportsethos.com presentation. You can follow us on Twitter at Lyle Swithenbank at Ethos Pelicans. Make sure you go and follow both of those accounts. We've got plenty going on over there and it's great to see those accounts continue to grow and uh, get to interact with heaps of different people every day, which we love and that's the best part of this fan base, I guess, is, is the community or supporting this team is, is the community. And while the community is in a bit of turmoil the last few days, now the Pelicans on an eight-game losing streak, um, I'm not going to harp on it. I've decided that we're going we're gonna to mix things up today because people, I mean, we can talk about post-games, we can go through the stats and what went wrong, but if you sat through the game against the Bucks, you knew that the Stars came to shine for the for them and and for us, we sort of got shell-shocked early, uh, fought back, but uh, fell short once again uh, with Giannis giving us a 50-piece, which is not ideal. Um, so, I mean, we can we can go into that, but I thought we'd mix it up. Uh, I was talking to the people in the group chat, and a wonderful suggestion came from Jones. You'll remember him from The Spaces, uh, and shout-out to him. And if you're not following him, go and do that on Twitter. Uh, one of the great minds in the Pelicans fan base and one of the great guys. Um he asked for someone, uh, me, to analyse what would happen if other teams in the West made trades. So it's, it's a little bit different. So I know we've had just about every other show under the sun talk about, let's go and get this guy, let's go and get that guy. Trades that will affect the Pelicans' own roster. But in a Western conference that is so stacked, what would happen if other teams got better? Currently, Pelicans sit at 8th uh, after a, a pretty tough January. We've lost uh, 12, I think 13 of the last uh, 16. Uh, so 3 and six, uh, what, three and 13, which is, which is not ideal. Um, another hard game coming up against the Western Conference leaders in, Dallas, uh, in Denver, pardon me, in, um, in a couple of days. But... It's an interesting one because this Western Conference is so close. There's, there's two games between, what, the third spot and the 13th spot. So when the standings are so close, every every win matters. So currently Pelicans are 26 and 25, um, eight and a half games behind the leaders, uh, whereas Denver are on top, 34 and 16, Memphis... 32 and 18, two games behind. And then Sacramento is five and a half games behind at third. Clippers, seven and a half. Then Warriors, Dallas, and Suns are all eight games behind. And us and Minnesota are eight and a half. Utah, nine. OKC, 10. Portland, 10. And the Lakers, 11 and a half. So we basically, we lose three games. We're out of the plane, which um, is not ideal at all. Uh, puts us right down the bottom, and and what a, a turn the season has taken. I guess the the Pelicans were top of the West, if you recall, uh, towards the end of January, and then at the end of uh, at the end of December, pardon me, and now at the end of January, we are eighth, right in the middle of the standings, not a place where you want to be, and firmly in the play-in. Again, you win one game, you're back to sixth or fifth, even depending on uh, how other teams play out, but. You can't rely on other teams to lose for you guys to get better. You have to start banking these wins. 
Uh, we're only about 32 or 33 games left in the season. And I don't know. Uh, we're still two weeks away from Zion. There's still a bit of time uh, to start, to obviously start banking wins, but there's still a lot of time to, uh, to lose a few more, which is not ideal. But that's not the purpose of today. So what I thought I would have a look at is we go through this, uh, I suppose, glut of teams from the third place team in Sacramento right down uh, to the Lakers. And we're going to analyze what would happen, or whether it's possible, uh, for those other teams to get better. Because there's going to be buyers, there's going to be sellers uh, this time of year. We're two weeks out from the trade deadline, uh, that being the 9th of February. And it's, it's a bit of an interesting one, because what are the Pelicans that haven't been healthy? Are they buyers? I think they are. I think they want to be competitive. I think the players have demanded that they be uh, that they be competitive. And I think with the roster, when it's healthy, we are as competitive as any other team in the league. As we've talked about all season, we did it in our previous shows before the season started, health is the great equaliser. Availability is the best ability in this league, as Antonio Daniel says. You need to be there. And when the guys aren't playing, you know, you miss Brandon for 30-odd games, uh, you've, you've missed a, a fair chunk of the season from Zion as well. It's a stars-driven league. If you don't have them, you're going to lose. And we found that out the hard way. Now, I will say, and this was highlighted uh, by uh, Nola Flint on Twitter, uh, that the Pelicans have actually, well, over the last 35 days, they've played two home games that weren't part of a back-to-back. Now, of course, there's all these excuses, but then you you compound that by being on the road a whole heap, playing a heap of back-to-backs, and all of a sudden, it's obvious why you're losing. You guys are tired. January is the worst time of the year in the NBA. Every year, it's the most boring part. Uh, it feels like a grind. People are hanging out for the all-star break. There's nothing really too exciting going on, but the wins still count, right? You compound that with the injuries. We've never had a full roster pretty much the whole season. Um, and as guys come back, other guys go out. So all of a sudden, you're not getting that consistency. You compound that by being on the road, by playing back-to-backs, by playing these silly you know, five games in six nights or seven nights. It's it takes a toll on your body, and guys are hanging out for that mini All Star break uh, vacation if they're not participating in All Stars. Um, but I mean that's brutal. That's absolutely brutal. So hopefully, if you have a look at the schedule coming up, it does get a bit easier. I think we've finished all our back to backs for the year now. If not, we've only got uh, a couple left. But we're going to deep dive into this. So let's get into it. We're going to start with. I suppose the Kings. Look, the Kings have been much improved this year with Sabonis uh, being traded there last year for Tyrese Halliburton. First sort of full year under Mike Brown uh, with the whole roster. They've got a really great defensive um, intensity and identity now. Uh, You've got Fox playing really well. Sabonis has been good. A little bit stiff maybe to to not be an all-star, but I'm sure he'll be there in the reserves. Uh, and they've got good talent around them. They're 28 and 21 uh, at the moment, and, you know, they've got this, like, beam team sort of mentality. They put a beam on the top of their uh, top of their stadium, and every time they win, they light the beam, and it's a great novelty, and 
Um, I think it's it's a fun little gimmick that people are getting behind, and all of a sudden they're getting that uh, that recognition that they're a good side, and they're beating teams handily at, at times. You know, they they play with a bit of pace, but they also play smart, move the ball, uh, and you know, and with hard defense, defense to offense, transition, all that sort of stuff. Um, and the stars are playing, so that is always a bonus. Now, it's going to be tricky for the Pelicans to claw back, what, three or four games. Uh, you know, you need other teams to go on losing streaks. You need to go on winning streaks and, and really start uh, stringing a few wins together and, and look consistent. So a few of these rumblings um, out there on the on the internet at the moment uh, is that the Kings may be buyers at the trade deadline. They might also stand pat, but uh, Mike Brown's apparently rumoured to want to upgrade that backup centre position. He's got Rashawn Holmes there at the moment, who was their starter last year. fantastic in fantasy basketball. Hasn't getting much of a run with Sabonis there. Um, and they're looking to offload him, basically, for a couple of second-round picks, which, again, is, I think, a steal. And, and anyone looking for a, a backup centre um, or even a starting centre that is pretty serviceable, Rashawn Holmes could be a cheap uh, option, especially for for some teams. I don't know if he'd fit with the Pels because we sort of need something a bit different. But again, a solid player. Now, if they trade him off and say they go and get a guy that's been rumoured with them, Nerlens Noel, that gives them that extra shot-blocking look uh, with the athleticism, guys like that. Say they go and get like a Bogdanovich or someone like that as well that's available. I mean, Nerlens Noel, uh, that could all be packaged together and sent over. Well, that then gives them elite shooting as well, and it puts them right up into that contention phase, I think. Of course, they haven't been to the playoffs for so long, you're going to have to have that experience, but I think that really solidifies the top three. If the Kings make a small move, just enough to offload a couple of the guys, um, you know, Rashawn, other guys that may be disgruntled, not getting the playing time they were used to, and add a couple of complementary pieces, well, all of a sudden, you look like a pretty good team, and you're going to be hard to beat, particularly a team that already scores pretty well. Moving on, we'll go to the bottom now. We'll go to the Lakers. So the Lakers, uh, you know, we saw LeBron, uh, his escapades rolling around after he was fouled by Tatum. We saw the umpires apologize and they're going to have sleepless nights and all that sort of carry on, uh, whatever. Um, Saw a stat that 61% of incorrect calls go towards the Lakers. So it'll take that. Pelicans only get 45%. It was a fun tweet. Um, Now... The Lakers are definitely buyers. You know, they, they can't afford to be um, paying the luxury tax and wasting LeBron's years uh, at 13. You just can't have it. They're 23 and 28. Again, to get into the play-in, they're only three games back, and then they're ninth. Uh, then they'll finish 10th. Um, when that happens, you know, that's a tough team to come across. And again, no Anthony Davis. He's been injured all the time, as we're very accustomed to. They blame Russell Westbrook for that. We've got a clunky roster. Uh, they've already made one trade to go and get Rui Hachimura from the Wizards. And, you know, solid young player. Uh, interesting get as a big man. Gives them another sort of option on both ends of the court. And, you know, a guy that the Wizards probably thought pretty highly. They used a, a high pick on him, an eight or something. And uh, and then shipped him out for want of uh, keeping Kuzma, Pazingas um, as those two main guys there at the four. So, 
what are the Lakers going to do? Well, they want to offload Russell Westbrook, and there was one proposed by Bleacher Report, a trade that was to go get uh, a whole heap of players from Orlando. I don't know what Orlando's going to do. They're a, uh, an enigma at the moment because they keep upsetting the good teams but can't beat the bad ones. Uh, they're at the bottom again, and you know they're firmly in the Wemby um, sweepstakes. But if they do decide to let them offload Russell Westbrook and give them a few guys, one that was touted as a return to the Lakers would be potentially Mo Bamba, as well as uh, one of the young guards or uh, and a bit of filler as well, maybe Terrence Ross. And obviously they have to work the salary and the like out. But all of those bailouts for the Lakers, of course, is frustrating. But it's also perilous for the Pelicans who own the rights to swap for the Lakers draft pick. Now, if we continue to trend down and they trend up, we might as well just keep our own because we get the best one. Um, I know at the start of the season, we were all very high and mighty about winning all the time. But um, I don't know whether or not um, we can continue to say that while we've been on an eight-game losing streak and have been winning. Uh, I mean, we'll just go quiet for a bit until we start uh, beating them again. We've got to play them soon, so hopefully we don't um, get slapped uh, after all the the carry-on that we've been going through. But something that, uh, that else has been flagged, this is Bleacher Report um, reporting this, Eric Pincus, uh, was a four-team trade that was talked about. It's Phoenix, Lakers, Timberwolves, and the Hornets. And it was sort of a way to be able to um, combine, I suppose, fix everyone's problems at once. Charlotte are right at the bottom. They had injuries to Lamelo uh, and have been a bit of a you know, average team out of the playoff picture and, uh, and not really, uh, I suppose, having a direction going forward. You've got to sort of move Terry Rozier. You, I think you either go to the bottom, get another good player to go with Lamelo, or you sort of get yourself to the sixth spot and, you know, not get anywhere long term. So this would help them... Uh, move off Terry Rozier and then continue to improve. Uh, what it does for the Minnesota Timberwolves, they don't want to put more money into D'Angelo Russell after this season. From all reports, uh, that's it's probably a, a break in uh, in their relationship, and this would get them off D'Angelo Russell going forward. Um, what that means for Carl Anthony Towns, though, who's his one of his good friends. Uh, that'll be interesting because he was the one that brought him here and we haven't seen Carl for a little bit, but with Anthony Edwards improving, well, what's happening in Minnesota? I don't know. Uh, Chris, the uh, Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul's Suns, I guess, um, they're looking for a long-term replacement for Chris Paul uh, as he's getting old. He, he really is. Um, and then the Lakers are looking for more of a fit with LeBron James. So, what would happen? The Suns would go and get D'Angelo Russell as the replacement for um, Chris Paul. It would make him a bit younger, more on the same timeline with Devin Booker and with uh, DeAndre Ayton, who they re-signed. Don't know if he's there long-term, but that's where he's going to be. Um, they're in a, in a tricky situation as well, the Suns at the moment, because they're 7th, 27 and 25, and only half a game ahead of us. So what are they going to do? Because they had that big fall from grace where they were uh, top of the ladder and then we gave them a bit of a touch-up last year and they just haven't really uh, got it all together. Now, Chris Paul 
is owed $60.8 million over the next two seasons, but only $15.8 million is guaranteed. So, he's 38 years old in May. Uh, there's not much left in him. And you can see that he now results, he, he plays a, a way that none of us really like, pretty dirty and he's not very quick anymore and um, he's starting to slow down. Happens the best of us, um, father time hits hits us all at some point. Um, they're also trying to get off Jay Crowder uh, and if they need to, they can get rid of Darius Saric as well for salary matching purposes. Um, now shedding all this payroll means that they could get 16, uh, they could get uh, within 33 million in luxury tax, which is good. So they're about 16 and a half million over at the moment. Uh, what that would do would get Russell in there. They would then be able to, uh, I suppose, teach D'Angelo Russell the Monty Williams style. And if you can get him to, to buy in, which we saw him do at various different places throughout the journey, um, Perhaps you, you then bounce straight back and everyone can grow together. You could at least give it a go and, um, you know, you could, the Suns have the option of either giving him that two-year extension or uh, let him uh, or find out what the, the market is for him in, in the open market. But at least it will give you a push. The Lakers will get Chris Paul. You put him alongside uh, LeBron. And with Westbrook coming off the bench, that would then give you that I suppose, all-star point guard or Hall of Fame point guard. Gives LeBron a chance to play with Chris Paul, one of his good friends. But you're giving up a heap of, um, you know, your filler. So your bench gets thinner. You're probably giving out guys like Austin Reeves, Max Christie, Wenyan Gabriel. These guys have been floated in this article. And starting with the first-round draft pick uh, to Hornets for Westbrook's contract. So... Because um, he would go there. Now, Timberwolves acquired Terry Rozier, so he would go up there as their new point guard, um, and he could play alongside uh, Rudy Gobert, Carl Towns, and Anthony Edwards, and it gives you another scoring option. He's a he's a solid player, and we've seen him on the biggest stages. He's got that uh, playoff experience, which the Timberwolves are still uh, putting together, and. You know, it's an opportunity that they could have a test run with him, is what they've said. And uh, while he hasn't shot well from three, he's also playing on a team that doesn't have much support. So does that get better if the ball's not in his hands as much or he's able to distribute to guys that are better shooters? Well, you know, assist numbers go up, scoring might go down a little bit, but there's always going to be opportunity to get points on that team. Uh, and then the Hornets would take the L and, and get Westbrook and clear that salary, uh, get some youth. And, oh, Westbrook is also Jordan Brand's most prominent athlete. So, you know, Michael Jordan uh, could love that. And uh, he, he can sort that out. Um, so they've got to be able to send out $37.5 million to match Westbrook's contract. Uh, so it'll be Plumlee and Oubre that are probably out the door. Uh, but that's been rumbling anyway. But that then improves... All four of those teams, minor, or all three of them, um, long-term, it sorts out Char uh, Charlotte's issues, but it's Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference, that then solves a problem for three of the Pelicans' biggest cont uh, contenders in this glut. Uh, all of a sudden, the Lakers lose that net negative that they talk about with Westbrook. They get you Chris Paul, who's a floor general. He always makes players better. The Regardless of how well he plays, everyone plays better around him for the most part. 
Uh, it's about keeping him healthy. Would his load be less uh, at Lakers? Probably, because LeBron's there. Anthony Davis is there. Um, you then go and add Minnesota. They get out of D'Angelo Russell, who can be a bit spotty. There was play today where they lost the game uh, because of his lack of defensive IQ. Well, all of a sudden, they're out the, the woods, and Phoenix get a different look, and they get to mix it up. So, and, and obviously D'Angelo Russell then gets an opportunity to lead there uh, alongside Devin Booker and, and Aiton, and they get to grow together. But this leaves the Pelicans in a bit of a predicament because we're eighth at the moment, as we know. Uh, we're going to get our guys back probably around the All-Star break, which is uh, the 19th of Feb. I think the guys will reset by then. Zion should be back. B.I. will, will get his rhythm back, uh, and hopefully we can start stringing some games together. But... Playoffs start in April, so you're really going to have one month to to get your seeding, and I don't know whether or not that's going to be um, enough time, barring you know us getting a couple of good wins and and restarting the second half of the season uh, a bit earlier to contend with these guys. You know, Lakers want to make a push. I think OKC, Utah, and Portland are all sellers at this. Uh, there's talks of Jeremy Grant going from the Portland Trailblazers, they, despite Dame's best efforts, keep losing. Uh, you've got Nurkic, who could be uh, looked at as a trade candidate. Josh Hart has that favorable contract. That could be another guy that's on the move. Uh, they're looking at offloading some guys. Or they go the other way, and they go and make a play for OG Ananobi, who he's been, they've been linked to. Uh, they could potentially even trade out of the draft and go and get him. Now, does that then give them the push? Well... They're only two games behind us. So there's not much of a push to go from 12th to 6th even, or 5th, um, if they can get the right players uh, around them. OKC, I think, are the same. They're 24, they're, they're tied with Portland. Do they just do a little play-in push and, and see what they can get out of it? They've got a heap of first-round draft picks, so much uh, young talent and more on the way but probably too good to go for that Wemby sweepstakes with their own pick. So do they make a push? Now, we know Utah is offloading. They are interested in going for Wemby and They've got a heap of draft picks. And from all reports, the only two players they're not taking calls on is Laurie Markkinen and uh, Kessler Walker, which, you know, that's the, the main guy they got back in the Rudy Gobert trade uh, in terms of young prospects, along with all the draft picks. Now... He looks like a like-for-like like, like replacement anyway uh, of Rudy Gobert, if not more mobile. But um, it's a weird time in this uh, in this um, little glut of Western Conference uh, teams. Now, another team that could get better is the Dallas Mavericks. They uh, have said that they're willing to trade Dorian Finney-Smith for a star. Um, well, I'm willing to trade, uh, you know two second-round draft picks for a star as well. So more than happy to unload some of the guys on the end of the bench for a star. Just because they say that doesn't mean it's going to happen. But Luca needs help. Luca's phenomenal, had 53 again today, and he needs help. He's got Christian Wood and Spencer Dimwitty, but they're not household names. They're not going to carry you all the way to the promised land. Like Luca will, he makes players better. If you can get him a running mate, um, I don't even know who they are, who they are linked to, but if they can get in those sweepstakes and get someone uh, to play alongside them, Dallas become a contender straight away. Those great players make each other better. They can play off one another. 
If there's a, a team that wants to blow it up, well, perhaps Dallas are in the sweepstakes. Another team that is going to be tough. They're sitting fourth at the moment, the Clippers. They're getting healthy. Kawhi Leonard's back. He's been absolutely on a tear since uh, really getting his legs under him. Paul George, of course, great player. Uh, and John Wall, he's been out for a couple of weeks. But another, you know, fantastic player uh, later on in his career. But talent wins basketball games. And when you've got a team like the Clippers, who could make another move, you know, trade a Luke Kennard or someone like that, and go and get another bench scorer or a solid um, rotational piece to, to really solidify that bench, well, you've you, you got to be cautious that the West is so close that if you stand pat and the injuries take longer than we have, well, you know, you could miss out on the playoffs altogether. And, and that's not what I want to say. I think the team is way too talented. This Pelicans team is way too talented to be anywhere near the play We've seen how good they can be, even without all of their players. We know what Zion can do to this team and how good they can be. Um, you know, but losing, uh, you know, challenges even the hardest of players. You lose eight in a row, you don't know when you're going to win again. Willie Green is very good at keeping it, um, uh, keeping it level. But you need to be wary that other teams aren't going to just stand pat. This is not... Um, you know, my GM on 2K where you can sort of turn trades off for everyone else and just build your own team up. Everyone is working the waiver wire. Everyone can see that OG Ananobi, John Collins, uh, you know, the Magic, Charlotte, OKC, all these guys have players that other people want. And if they decide to, uh, you know, turn uh, tail and blow it up, well, Utah's another one. You need to be ready to strike. And we are in a beautiful position where we have a heap of future draft picks and future assets and young assets. No, not that I'm advocating trading all of them or anything like that. Or, um, But you've got to figure out what the direction of this team is. And that's what I'm saying. Am I going to harp on the losing streak? No, because it's difficult injuries. You know, the, the schedule, all of that's tough. But what I don't want to be caught is standing there at the end at the eighth spot, or worse, and we're, we're scratching our heads saying, well, we had all this talent, we've got, you know, these big contracts coming, no real way without trading someone to get better, what are we? And I think that's what David Griffin needs to work out, is what does he want to be in this second half of the season? And if he wants to compete, there's players out there to go and get, and it's time to maybe cash the chips in a little bit. We're close to the we're close to the tax, but if you want to actually compete and and take uh, advantage of Zion and Brandon Ingram and guys like that, well, I suppose we're getting close to to deciding whether or not it's this year. You know, we've got the young talent, we've got the assets, but we've also got these superstars. You've got two, you've got an A, well, two A graders basically, or if you want, you can have an A grader, and if you don't think Brandon Ingram's an A grader, well, you've got a B plus grader. You know, you got very close. you got CJ McCollum, who's a, the perfect third string player. Or third, uh, you know, big three member. you got Jonas there. If you don't think that works, well, do you take a look at that? Do you do it now or do you do it in the off-season? But those are decisions that the front office is going to have to make sooner rather than later because, you know, Zion's the first year of his contract. Yeah, he's got five, but it's very, you know, we've seen how players can just force things. Not saying that because he wants to be here. I completely believe that. That's this is not 
um, you know, any of that turning on the players or anything like that. I think Brandon Ingram wants to be here. I think all the players uh, want to be here as long as they get opportunity. And I think the Pelicans have a fantastic opportunity to be able to compete. It's just about when. And you don't want to leave it too late, and you also don't want to uh, find yourself in a situation where every other team has got better, or three or four have got better, and you've lost your opportunity to really capitalize on uh, on making this team elite. Uh, you know, the last eight games, we score an average of 101, or less, I think it is, which is the worst in the league. You can't have that. For January, we are the worst in the league in, in net rating. We've had injuries, I get that. But you've got to be able to string a few of these wins together. And disappointingly, we've lost ones that we should win. And that, I think, is what the most frustrating bit is because the first half of the season, we didn't do that. You might lose some tough ones or against some good teams, but you were beating the the bad teams. We've dropped a couple of those. So, honestly, it's an interesting look. And more than happy to continue this discussion on Twitter or anywhere else uh, if you want to get into it. But I thought it was interesting that, and thanks to Jones for, for suggesting this topic, is to have a look at those teams. You know, Sack, I think, are a buyer. Clippers, they're either staying pat or they're going to do a tiny move. Golden State. Golden State are in an interesting position. Whether or not they uh, make a move, well, I think it'll be a small one. They were floated, uh, suggested that Kelly Olynyk might end up there from the Jazz. They could give up a young piece or, or a bit of draft capital and, and get him there, which, you know, that's another great piece. He can shoot the three, he can defend, plays probably could play well in that system, and everyone that has him on their team raves about him. Uh, Dallas, again, need to get that second piece next to Luca, and I think Mark Cuban's willing to do it. I think the team there is... Uh, is poised to capitalize on Luca, and otherwise Luca's going to force his way out because he's going to want to win as well. He's a winner. Um, you know, da- Phoenix, we talked about that in the four-team trade. Do they want to be this middle-of-the-road team? Absolutely not. They've had 14 years of being average or bad. They've just got a bit of success. They're not going to want to waste that now. Devin Booker's brilliance, all that. Um, you know, Minnesota, same thing as us. You know, they've got that young talent. They've got a couple of, like, budding all-stars. Really have the opportunity to be something special. Made the big blockbuster trade in the off-season and are now trying to put it together. What are those complementary pieces that go in there? It's going to be interesting. Utah selling. OKC could be sellers. Could make a little move and, and you know, get themselves to 8th or ninth. Get themselves into that play-in. Portland, they're going to want to compete. Unless they pivot and say to Dame, look, we can't do it this year. Let's sell the house and rebuild in the off-season. Otherwise, they're looking at guys like John Collins, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent, guys like that. And the Lakers, of course they want to compete. The Lakers always want to compete. They're trading draft picks. I think they're willing to. They're, uh, they're willing to make those moves to get guys. They want off Russell Westbrook. I think some team's going to give in to them and, and take it. Um, I don't know who it's going to be, but I think someone will help them out, which is frustrating for everyone else in the West, but I think that um, it's very possible. Uh, I also think Memphis might make a little move, even though they're, they're firmly above the top. They've lost a couple. Uh, you know, their last few games have been average. They, they won recently, but they were on a five or six game losing streak as well. So do they want to solidify that, uh, that rotation going into the playoffs? Maybe. 
it's going to be really interesting. But all I know is that the Pelicans can't get caught waiting and seeing. Unless that's their MO this year and they make a push next year. But again, injuries are always going to be a fact of life. It doesn't matter what team you are, everyone's dealt with injuries this year. I'd like to see the team that hasn't had any. The thing is, how do you respond when that when the chips are down, when it's tough? This team has been resilient. You know, they've been through the absolute crap. But what I want to see is that hunger, that desire, and, and from the top down that we want to compete this year because I think the team's as good as any. But if you can get a guy like Jared Vanderbilt from Utah, you can go and get uh, Beasley from there. Go and, if you need to swing for the fences and go for John Collins, talent wins in this league. It does. Um, you know, it just depends what you've got to give up to get them. They got a fit. Bogdanovich, I think, is a great fit for us. Shoots the three, knows how to win, can defend it. It's not going to cost you much. Um, you have the assets to do it. It's going to be interesting. But all in all, it's all food for thought. If the Pelicans, you know, they just got to win against Denver tomorrow, and uh, we start settling down a little bit. There's still going to be those issues, but winning cures everything. So I'm going to leave it at that. Of course, this has been the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Shout out to Jones for that wonderful topic. It was fun going through that. Um, I'm your host, Lyle Swithenbank, at Ethos Pelicans on Twitter, at Lyle Swithenbank. Go and check out everything over at uh, Sports Ethos at the moment as well. Plenty going on. And uh, otherwise, stay safe. And of course, bye for now. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.